Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. 1943, there is a gospel radio station or a program called Songs in the Night. It was a successful radio station. Me, stop. Would you get that? Um, it was a successful radio station, and um, it, it had had its highs and lows, and was struggling. And so they were looking for a new, new person to to be the front person of it. So they talked to this pastor, asked him if he would become the voice and take on that radio program. To which he said yes. He had huge vision, believed they could use this radio station to take the gospel around the world. But because radio was so expensive, um, he agreed to the board, let's take part of my salary and let's make it work. We're not going to make it if we don't do some, make, some adjustments. Reluctantly, the board agreed to do that. His next move was to go to this this guy and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come on board with me. I want you to lead the singing. I want you to be a part of the song service. Lead the choir. Lead the singing. Painted the big picture. The guy who was doing the singing was like, yeah, you know, I'm struggling. Later, the guy said, that was the most, that was the best decision of my life. It was the beginning of a humble and exciting time. You may know both of these people. The singer was George Beverly Shea. The preacher was Billy Graham. They decided, we'll trust God. We'll go preach the gospel and sing the gospel, and we'll trust God and let God do the rest, and God provided in a major way. This morning, as we come to Exodus 16, we're going to see that same thought process about trusting God. We have a tendency in our life to struggle with trust, don't we? This means yes. This means no. I mean, don't we struggle? I mean, what TV program do we trust? CNN? Fox News, I mean, you, you know, we're divided. Who do we listen to? The CDC, the governor, the president, the city council, the magistrates of the county? Who, who do we trust? I mean, there's so many things in our culture that cause us not to trust. We but listen, we don't even trust our best friends, do we? Parents, you don't even trust your children. For some, some children are going, Mom, Dad, it's okay. You can do this. It's safe. Nope, not doing it. What, what does that mean? It means I love you, but I don't trust you. Right? We, we, we love our friends. We'll talk to them on Facebook. We'll do all sorts of things, but we're not going to trust what they tell us. Why? Because we struggle with trust 
issues. And that's hard for us to admit. And you can say, listen, I, I, the only person I trust is me. Not me, the pastor, you, the individual. Although you ought to trust me. Um, but the truth of the matter is, there should be one we trust in completely. And that's Jesus Christ. And if we trust Jesus Christ completely, that means whatever his word tells us, whatever he commands us, whatever we're called to do, we do it to the glory of God. So this morning, here's what I want you to catch from our text today. Hello, TV. Let's fix this. JJ, you walked off and didn't get that fixed. And I just made it better, didn't I? So here's the, here's the big idea this morning I want you to catch. It'll be up on the screen. As a believer, as a believer, go through life, as believers go through life, we learn to trust God for our provisions, just as we trust Christ for our eternal life. Catch that. As we go through life, we've got to learn to trust God for our provisions, just as we trust him for our eternal life. Now, if you're here this morning and you've trusted God as your personal Lord and Savior, amen and hallelujah, right? I mean, because you know, because what Christ did on the cross, that your life is secure in eternity. And don't you think that's a big deal? I, I thought there was an amen coming there. Let me just back up. I know you're asleep this morning. Cold weather, you thought about staying in, snuggling up with your honey and that kind of thing, but... Hear me. Jesus saved you from your sins. Isn't that a big deal? Amen. If he could save you from your sins, can he provide for you tomorrow? He can. The question is, will we trust him? So Exodus 15, let me show you the, uh, some points I want to point out. God's provision is supernatural. God's provision is supernatural. When we look at the people of Egypt and they, or the Israelites leaving Egypt, the one thing you can confidently say about them is that they're a bunch of whiners. Every time we turn around, they just complain. Anybody know somebody like that? Don't raise your hand, please, and don't point. Whatever you do, don't point. But there are people who their life is surrounded by complaining and whining. How many have enjoyed the weekend weather? Yeah. I'm sure if I said how many didn't, somebody would raise their hand. You know, no matter what happens, they just can't find joy. People of Israel have been that way, right? I mean, let's think about it. Moses comes and says, God's told me we're gonna, he's going to rescue us and, and, and we're coming out of Egypt. Hallelujah, great. Pharaoh starts putting a little pressure on them. Why are you doing this? Why, are you, why have you done this? Then they begin to travel. As they travel, they get to the Red Sea. We talked about that last week. Hey, why did you bring us out here? Are there not enough graves in Egypt? Why are we here? Just stop and wait and watch God. I mean, again, as I said last week, how hard is it not to believe in God after the Passover? Now you see the Red Sea. You ought to be going, what's God saying today? How do we, what, what's our next move? What, God, what do you want from us? But instead, we get across the Red Sea and the people of Israel now are complaining. I don't like the water. I'm hungry. 
Sounds like a senior adult trip I've been on. I don't know, but anyhow. I better stop there. One thing I've learned on senior adult trips is you don't argue with them when it's lunchtime. When to stop or where to eat. I've picked a place and they said, no, that's not where we're going. We're going over here. Yes, wherever you want. But here's the thing. God's provision is supernatural. And we see this take place. Uh, look at the text with me, beginning in verse 11. 11 through 15 of chapter 16. It says this, the Lord spoke to Moses. I have heard the complaints, or you could say I've heard the, the whining of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. And in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Catch that. The purpose here is not for them to be fed while that's a byproduct. They have watched God's hand on, on the Egyptians, on Pharaohs. Now it becomes personal because they're going to be fed by God. They, they've witnessed all this from a distance and they are the benefactor, but now... It becomes personal. Verse 13, so at evening quail came and covered the camp. And, and in the morning there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there was a fine flakes of, uh, on the desert surface, fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they did not know what it was. Moses told them, it is bread. The Lord has given you eat. God has a way of providing, doesn't he? And this provision that he gives at this moment is supernatural. Because all of a sudden, without doing any work, without doing anything, they are, they're fed. They are, they are they don't, they don't have to work for it. They don't have to do anything. Go out and pick it up. Go out and just get it. That's all they have to do. Now, you and I don't understand that concept because we can just go to the grocery store and pick it up and eat. But in this day and age and in most places of the country, people have to work for their food. And not just work a little, work hard. They have to cultivate the ground and they don't have a food line or ruler foods or, or Kroger's or Walmart, whatever your choice of brand is. They got to work for it. And, and it's biblical to do that because scripture teaches us that. In fact, it's an important thing to work in life. The Bible tells us we should be working by the sweat of our brow. Found it interesting this week. I saw this picture. Um, this picture is of a uh, gate. I don't know if you can see that. It's a gate laying on the ground. You can see the hydraulic arm. So it's of a driveway uh, that has an automatic gate. Well, I saw this picture, uh, and uh, the problem was the power had been lost in this area where this person lived, and they couldn't get out. Uh, the person is Dwayne Johnson. By that name, does anybody know who that is? Okay, well, yeah, somebody's already hollered, The Rock. He, he, you know, he's done a number of movies. And so there he is. He, a few years ago, he saw my hair cut and decided to go ahead and do that too. 
Um, I just have that influence on people. I'm waiting on some of you to jump on. Uh, but anyhow, here, here's what he, he sends that message out on social media, and he said it this way. Not my finest hour, but a man's got to go to work. Catch this. Power went off. Now, they're supposed to have a, an option for them to, to override the electric gate, the hydraulics, and it didn't work. He had, a, he had a crew of people waiting on him. He was directing something, and he had a crew of people waiting on him. Most people would, at the, at, the, at the simplest thing, turn back and go, can't come today. Of all people who, who could be late, Dwayne Johnson can be late, but he, he said, nope, I got to work. I got people waiting on me. That's a biblical, that's a biblical theology view. Here's what Paul says in, in 2 Thessalonians. Paul says it this way. In fact, when, you, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. I think that's a principle that sometimes we get lost today. That, that work is something that needs to happen. Genesis uh, I'm, I'm wearing it out today. Genesis says it this way. Um, remember, God said this to Adam. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground. Since you were taken from it, for you are dust and you will return to dust. God, in the very beginning in Genesis, looked and said, if you want to eat, you got to work for it. The sweat of your brow will be, will be the key. And so this is a supernatural provision here because they only know if I work, I get to eat. And all of a sudden, God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm gonna, it's going to rain down quail and you're going to wake up every morning with bread. The psalmist tells us this. People ate the bread of the angels. He sent them an abundance supply of food. God's provision is supernatural. The second thing I want you to catch is God's provision is sufficient. Sufficient. It's supernatural in that in the moment of new need, God came in and provided. In only ways that God can. But it's also sufficient. Look with me again at, at verse 16 of chapter 16. This is what the Lord commanded. Gather as much as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot. Some gathered a little. And they measured it by quarts. The person who gathered a lot had no surplus, and the person who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. Moses said to them, no one is to let any of it remain until the morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning and bred worms and stank. Therefore, Moses was angry with them. This, is, this reminds me of, of student ministry. Because God is providing for them and there is sufficient for their needs. 
In student ministry, anytime we'd do something, we'd have pizza. And I'd always have to say, listen, here's the thing. Just take two slices. Just take two slices. There's plenty. You'll have, listen, I promise you, you'll have enough. Just take two slices. Begin with two. Only two. What would they do? Can I have enough? Can I get four? No, take two. And then after, after they took two, and everybody had two, there would be whatever left for some. And they'd come back, the guy who wanted to come back, do you want your two slices now? No, I just needed two. Yeah, exactly. You only needed two, but what did you want? You wanted four, and you were going to waste four. That's what happened here. God knows what they need. God's provision is sufficient. They just have to trust that. But did they trust? No, not all of them, because they said, well, I've got to have a little extra. You don't know when this is coming back. Here's the thing. When God fed them manna from heaven, it was for 40 years. It wasn't a one-time deal. He did this every day with the exception of the Sabbath until they went into the promised land. God took care of them. God was sufficient in his provisions. And catch this. Three things happen in this. He does it daily. So all you can, you, listen, you just got to go out and go, oh, it's that time. Pick it up and eat. In the morning, oh, there's the bread. Have at it. He did it every day. And then when it came time for the Sabbath, he says, okay, here's the deal. Take enough for two days and it'll be fine. Take enough for two days and it'll be fine. He did that the entire time they're in the wilderness. One of the other thing is the miracle I want you to catch in this. We read that where some took a little and some took a lot. But when they measured it out, it always worked out. Did you catch that? No matter how much somebody was taking, it's like, it's like Jesus does the same thing. Taking a fish and a loaves. Don't worry. It's going to work out. God says, my provision is sufficient. What God has for you is sufficient. Now, the problem with us is we want more. Right? Show of hands, how many could use a little more money today? Yeah, some of you are like, not sure what he's about to say, but yeah. The question is, are we being good with what we have? Are we honoring God with what we have? Maybe one of the reasons why he doesn't bless you is because you, you don't use it for his glory. You, you turn and, and you hide it and you, you think it's all about you. Maybe he's not blessing because, because what he's given you is gifts and talents you've yet to use for his glory. So why would he bless you for more when you haven't done that. There's a parable he teaches in the New Testament. On that same thought process. About not using what you've been given for the glory of God. The third thing we see in this text is God's provision is sacred. It's sacred. 
Throughout the whole book of Exodus, we read where they are to remember so many things. And the remembering is to re be a reminder of just what God has done. Right? I mean, we remember the Passover, the blood that was put on the door. So, so a Jew will remember the Passover and still remembers the Passover to this day. They, they remember all sorts of things. And so look with me at verse 31 and see as he tells them to remember. The house of Israel named the substance manna, which re resembled coriander seed. It was white and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Two quarts of it are to be preserved throughout your generations so that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses told Aaron, take the container, put the two quarts uh, and put two quarts of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be preserved throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, placed it before the testimony to be preserved. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came into the inhabited land. They ate manna until they reached the, uh, the border of the land of Canaan. They measured they used a measure called Omer, which held two quarts. So, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep some of this manna. I want you to put it in two quarts. The Passover reminded them uh, of the blood that was of the lamb. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread was the remembrance of Exodus. Those were two that they were to remember. Uh, the consecration of their firstborn son would remind them that they are God's firstborn, that they're God's children. And now manna served as a memorial for what God would do in the wilderness. It was sacred. Because they could stop and they could recognize God's hand at work in their life. We still remember the Passover, but we remember it through the Lord's Supper because the Passover lamb was now Jesus Christ, the body and, and the blood shed and broken for us. We have those moments in which we remember that we are God's children, what he did on the cross. It is sacred for us. That's why the two observances that the Jesus commands us to remember one is the Lord's Supper, the other is baptism, because baptism reminds us. It's a, it's a memorial of dying to ourself, being raised to walk in newness of life. God had a purpose. In the midst of all this whining, he was providing for them, and they had to recognize that and trust it. Fourth thing I want you to see this morning is God's provision is sanctifying. God's division is provision is sanctifying. And we don't read that in this text, but when we come to Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding remembrance upon this time 
Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3 says, Remember that day the Lord led you on the entire journey through these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but that every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Sanctifying. See, God wasn't just filling their body or their, their tummies. He, there was more at work there. Filling their, their stomachs was a part of it, but that was just the minor part. He was, he was trying to shepherd their hearts. He was trying to teach them. He was trying to help them understand that he is a God who is worthy to be trusted. A God who's, who, who loves them. Jesus would be praying for his disciples. And in John's gospel, we read where he says, sanctify them by your word. In other words, God has given us his word as something to be digested, something to be devoured, something to be learned, something to, something to grow. It helps us know how to trust and follow. That was the whole point here. That was what God was trying to do. His provisions was not just so they could eat. It was so that they could learn to trust him. The same thing is given to us through his word that if we will read and study and trust his word, he'll sanctify us. He'll help us. So what's our takeaway today? What do, we, what do we get from this text? Well, it's real simple. It's this. It's to trust in God for your daily needs. Trust in God for your daily needs. Now, again, Remember, I said we have a hard time trusting, don't we? I mean, we, it, it, we, have a, we have a hard time trusting in the things that we can see, let alone a God who we don't see physically. But if we, if we can't trust God for our provisions and do as his word tells us, then what good are we? How much faith do we really have if we can't say, I take your word and I believe everything in it and I am going to work to obey it? Does that mean we'll be perfect? No. We need to learn to trust God for our provisions just as much as we trust him for our eternal life. And that's hard. But let me me give you you, how you... how you can do that. Several years ago, a um, long time ago, I took a group of students on a weekend retreat. And one of the things we did on that weekend retreat was a high ropes course. 
And I've told this story before, but on this high ropes course, one of the pieces was that you had to go up this, this rope ladder 40 feet in the air. And you get to the end, of, you, you crawl a rope ladder 40 feet in the air, and then you step up on a telephone pole that is round. And you're standing on that telephone pole, the, your, your safety line goes up above you, you have a pole here, and then you are to let go, and you're to walk 40 feet over here on a telephone pole in the air. And once you got over there, you got to a platform not quite this big, and they put you, uh, they unhooked you and hooked you back up, and you zip-lined off. We had several students who did it. And at that time, I was young, er, and I wasn't going to let them show me up. Now I would probably go, y'all look good. <laughs> so it was my turn. Up that rope ladder I went. And if you've never done that, that's, that's a difficult task in itself, just to crawl up a rope ladder. So I go up 40 feet. I have got it in my mind what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand on this. I have watched them. I'm going to stand on this log, and I'm going to look out. I'm not going to look down. If I look out, it's going to look like I'm on level ground. If I look down, I'm going to see a long way down that's going to hurt if I land on that ground. So I get to the top. I'm holding the pole, trying to get my balance, trying to decide, is my knee shaking that hard or the pole? One of them shaking pretty hard. And every time I let go of the pole and I start to, to, to try to move away from the pole, I quickly get back over to the pole. And, I, and, I, and I'm having a hard time. Now, the, there's only one person working as an instructor to this, and he's over there on the on the platform going, you got this, you can do this. Uh-huh, you just hush. I just, you know. He's got my life in his hand with the rope. And I'll never forget the moment it dawns on me. Stop looking down there and start looking at him. Because he's holding my life with that rope. Keep my eyes on him. And the moment I did that, I let go of that, 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 that safety pole and I turned and I walked 40 feet across that telephone pole. I got to the other side. I hugged that other telephone pole so tight. <laughs> I may have even kissed it. I, I don't know. And he had to unhook me. He goes, you can let go. No, I'm going to hold on right now. But see, then I had to step off the platform. There's another trust. I've got to trust the rope that's now attached to me to the zip line. Somehow that was easier for me. But when I turned and I put my eyes on that guy who was holding my life with that rope, life got a lot easier. You want to trust God as he provides? You turn and put your attentions on him. You look to him every day, multiple times a day. You begin to trust him. You do what his word says. You work hard. You do the things that you're supposed to do. When we do that, we see God provide. Would you stand with me this morning?
Are you trusting God? Are you, are you turning your attention to God who loves you unconditionally, who will provide for you, who wants the very best for you? The best life you and I can have is in Christ Jesus. So this morning, here's what I want to ask you to do. As you know, COVID, we do have to do our invitations differently. But if you're watching us online or if you're here in the room on site, your decision is the same. We want to invite you to make a decision for Christ. I promise it's the best decision you never make in your life is to follow Jesus. It's greater than who you marry. It's greater than your decision to have children. It's greater than whatever career you have. Following Jesus is the best thing you can ever do. If you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let me remind you, you do that by admitting that you are a, are a sinner. Listen, I, I can't do life on my own. I can't have eternal life. I can't have the best life ever. I can't, I can't even provide the way I think I should without Jesus. So you admit you need Jesus. You believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he came in the form of a human. He walked on this earth to teach us how to live. He went to a cross so that we can have everlasting life. He took your sin, my sin, to the cross. He bared it all. His blood was shed, his body broken for you. And then you choose to commit your life to him. That his ways are better than yours. If you've never done that today, I want to invite you to do that. With your head bowed and eyes closed, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Some of you don't understand how that happens. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There is no magic words. It's just a simple prayer. But if you will mean these words, today you can have eternal life. You just repeat after me. God, no, I'm a sinner. I know there's nothing I can do to inherit eternal life with you. But God, I believe you sent your one and only son, your perfect son, to be a sacrifice for my sins. And so God, today I choose to commit my life to you. God, take over. Lead me. Direct me. I love you. I ask this in your son's name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I can tell you if you meant that prayer, that you have eternal life, that God will save you. If you've done that today, would you just take this telephone number down on the screen? 270-681-2363. Would you just text us and say, I did. We'll get back with you. We'll help you know what the next step is in the journey of faith. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you need to rededicate your life. You, your life, you've trusted Christ. You know that Jesus saved you and you know that you will have life eternal. But to be honest, you're not trusting him in how you live your life each day. Maybe you need to rededicate and say, I, I need to be back on track. Would you take that same telephone number, 270-681-2363? Would you let us know that? 
We'll pray for you. We'll even contact you and talk with you about next steps for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been attending Glasgow Baptist Church for a long time, but you've never joined our body of faith. We're, we're a body of faith who's not perfect, but we know the one who is. And our desire is to make much of him and not ourselves. So if you'd want to join our church family, take that same number, 270-681-2363, and let us know that. Today, I pray that you trust God in the simplest things and the biggest things, that you walk faithfully before him. Father, Father, 